I would remind people to be really careful because when you are talking to a young person and you are making statements about who they can and can't be because of something they've done, they're listening. And I think sometimes we forget that young people are listening and often we become what people tell us we can become. And I remember how many people gave up on me and said, well, there goes that potential because this one thing happened. And if my mom had, hadn't been so different and my dad after Kai was born and um, sort of my own rebelliousness and sort of unwillingness to let people define me, I wouldn't be here because I wouldn't have thought I could. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, today's show is delightful. I'm actually calling her my adopted daughter but she is an amazing, accomplished young woman, Daniel Schutz. And we'll get into some of her story where, you know, before she was 30, she was vice president or CFO of a Fortune 500 company's uh, Western division. And also at 26, uh, oversight as a CFO in a government agency. And said, well, how did she do that? Well, we'll come to that story here in a moment. But one of the things that Danielle and I talk about It's just the importance of owning our own space. In other words, the best person that you can be is being you, being authentic, being real. And how do we do that? By knowing ourselves, being aware of ourselves. And so I want to mention a couple of things. We've been talking about in the previous recent shows around our new e-course, which is around what do you really value, which is based on our values preference indicator. This assessment and tool and course will transform your life. No, just end stop. Every time that I've done this at a conference, it is one of the highest rated presentations at the entire conference. Every time. Why is that? Because people are so wanting to intimately know themselves and it's so easy and it's so powerful, yet it's not done. So that's number one. Number two, is if you're a professional developer or a leader and you're a consultant coach trainer or an HR individual or trainer internally, is that we have our professional mastery and assessment certification and that's where we take three in-depth days and we go into our entire offering and assessments and this becomes transformational. One of the things we say in our training is that my ability to serve others is equal to or less than my own development. And just it's just a gift, a gift that you can give to yourself or if you have somebody who you want to develop on your team or an individual, then PMAC, as we call it, Professional Mastery and Assessment Certification, our three-day in-depth program is something to be considered. Now with that, thank you as always for listening to Secrets of Success. If you like what we're doing, please pass it on, share it, leave a positive review or rating on whatever platform you're listening on. And just let others know, and as well as just give us feedback on uh, maybe there's a guest that you'd want us to be able to interview that's really, really dynamic that you would want to hear their story in our unique way that we do it here at Secrets of Success. So without any further ado, thank you again for listening. And here's our guest, Daniel Schutz. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, today I am honored to have, I'm going to say a new colleague, but also a new friend, 
a dynamic young person, because this I really could be her father, I suppose. <laughs> and she's attended our three-day training. I got to hang out with her for three days. And so we have this amazing dynamic speaker, but also a person that really is touching a lot of young people around the country and individuals personally, Danielle Schutz. Danielle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ken. I'm excited. <laughs> and we're excited to have you here. I mean, with like 45 million followers on Instagram. <laughs> One day. <laughs> yeah, I know you're close and you're on the way to be able to do it. And uh, what's interesting for the listeners don't even know this, but how I came to know you is through your brother. And when your brother sent you and your sister to training, it, he didn't give me the backstory. So obviously, you know, my uh, it's, it was completely cool, but I said, there is a story behind what's going on here. And I said, what the heck is, okay, so anyways, I said, Not I, obvious. I'm just going to, well, yeah, so I'm going to find this out. So first of all, Danielle, is that you, you really are doing a lot of speaking out there. Who are you primarily speaking to now? So I do a lot of speaking. Um, I do a lot of women's conferences, so leadership and um, women uh, executive conferences. And then, you know, my main audience is young professional networks, so emerging leaders, I like to call them, who are getting started in their career or headed into their first management role or leadership role um, in their careers. Oh, cool. And I know that you, you do a lot of stuff in um, sort of minority groups too or yes. special groups and just really helping people to overcome certain dynamics or mindsets and we'll get into that in a little bit. So, but we're going to scroll back and just listeners, by the way, Danielle was a VP of, uh, well, CFO of <laughs> a division of a Fortune 500 company before your 30th birthday, correct? Correct. So I said, that was just jealousy that was coming out of the host's <laughs> mouth, no. <laughs> so we were just joking and having some fun before we got on, and Danielle's just a hoot. She's just a, a gem. You know, I said I would inherit her as a daughter anytime. And as part of this, I just, your story is important for the listeners. Now, we had your brother on, and we're not going to say who your brother is till the end. Okay. <laughs> um, but Danielle, you have sort of a, a, a very dynamic kind of situation. So let's just talk about, you know, growing up. So where were you born and where did you grow up? So I was born and raised in um, Colorado Springs, Colorado. So I am a Colorado native. <laughs> Colorado native. Okay. And so then share with us, you now you have a sister, Bree, and then you have a I brother, do. Randy. And when we think about sort of the, your family dynamics, just share with the audience some of the unique dynamics that are part of your family. Well, I, I always say I'm so fortunate to um, have grown up in this beautifully blended family. So my mother um, had my older brother, um, and then she married my dad. And so my dad and my mom got married when my brother was about two years old. Now, my sister and I are biracial, so our mom is white and my dad is African-American. And so my um, older brother has a different dad, so he is full white. And so we grew up sort of all shades of the rainbow and grew up in this family with these different, <laughs> different ethnicities and different races. And um, I always say it was this beautiful sort of way to be raised that we mm. never really saw 
the difference between us and we're, you know, we're blood brothers and sisters. And my dad always called, or my brother always called my dad, dad. And then my brother's dad was around too. And so he, he's someone I love very much to this day as well. And we would always just joke and my, my, the dads got along really well. And so it was just this beautiful dynamic of people who are really, really different, but that we all created a family Mm. at the same time. (laughs) Well, and I don't even want to get into tears here, but I mean, you, you girls, I love you as just as people. And, uh, you know, when you think about your dynamic, your attitude towards this is refreshing. It's great. But one of the questions I asked your brother when he was on, I just, that probably wasn't what everybody thought around you. No. <laughs> so, sure, and, sure and that's, and that's sad, but I think that's an important thing as a, a unique situation in your family. What were some of the things you had to deal with growing up as a young woman? You know, it's interesting. It's I think being biracial can always be pretty difficult and that sometimes you don't know where your identity lies. And, and you, we, we live in a culture that wants you to choose. Mm. Um, I, I'm, I'm black or, or I'm white. I'm not both. And so really having to grow up and um, having parents who helped me protect uh, my identity as a biracial woman and, um, you know, understanding that the world saw me as a woman of color and really needing to be able to operate in a world knowing that. Um, then also identifying with the fact that I had a brother who was white and my mom is white. And it, it just created dynamics where we really had to learn about each other and learn what each other might be going through because we were different and we were, were you know, working in the systems mm. in a different way um, simply because we look different. And that, that was a dynamic that was true for us. And I think that the funniest part of all of it was that my brother's three years older than me. And, I, you know, so he drove me everywhere all over the place. And so we were in high school together for one year. And so, you know, because we don't look anything alike, you wouldn't assume, oh, that their brother and sister, everybody just thought I was his girlfriend. And he hated it. <laughs> he hated it. He would oh, this little really, baby really, sister is yes. his girlfriend. Oh, man, <laughs> I get, get it. really mad at people. So um, uh, that was pretty funny to try to explain it to people. But we really were proud of it. And so I'm grateful that I was raised in a way to be proud of how different we all were and how it, you know, it gave us something really rich in life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, from what I know about all three of you and spending time, you know, a fair amount of time with all three of you is that you're grounded and centered and have a belief in self, not from an arrogant point of view, but just from a healthy self-worth. With that, what were some of the things your sister and you had to overcome in high school in terms of where people weren't there with you? So even though you embraced this, what were some of the things that you overcame that were part of the culture that were maybe not as healthy or positive as you would have liked? Well, you know, Ken, I think high school is the foundation of some of the most difficult things I definitely have ever been through in my life. I had a very difficult time seeing myself as a beautiful person in a high school where everyone was blonde hair and blue eyed and I didn't get asked to homecoming. And so instead of trying to understand that maybe I'm just not someone's type, what I really told myself and my sister told herself was that we weren't beautiful in a society that sort of didn't look like us. And so being able to see yourself as beautiful at a time where you're most insecure was really difficult for me and I you know I chased love from boys in high school because of that that dynamic and that really changed my whole life feeling those insecurities and needing to get attention in that way 
you know, changed my life, obviously, in the trajectory mm-hmm. um, of where I went um, from there. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you're open to it, you can share the results yeah, of that. Of course, I. It's, it's, it's no longer. It is. It's the best part of my story. <laughs> um, you know, I got pregnant with my son Kai at 16 years old, and um, so I was a teen mom. I had him the summer before my junior year of high school, and I was in a, a relationship uh, with his father that was incredibly unhealthy and abusive. And so at the time where you just are trying to lay the foundation for your self-worth, I was really spinning um, and uh, got pregnant. And of course, that was the most difficult thing I have ever been through in Mm. my entire life. Mm. But now, of course, you love. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, you know. Nobody posts more about their kids than you do. I mean, I'm on your Facebook feed now. I said, is there anything else other than Danielle's son? No, nope. no, there's Just probably not. Two. I'm messing with you a little bit. So <laughs> I that, love it. <laughs> well, that being said, what were some of the things that your parents said and did at that time when you got into this situation? You know, um, my mom is a magician in crisis. And, you know, this is really where she, you know, her real gifts as a parent and as a person came out. I think we're all successful in our careers because her ability to sort of say, hey, this is just a moment in time. It doesn't define who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, the sort of unconditional love that she shows that helped us all build our confidence and all bounce back from things that we're not um, proud of or, you know, bumps in the road or detours on the journey. Uh, she really jumps in, in in these moments where we are um, – in chaos or in crisis. And, you know, my dad had a very difficult time. My dad's a minister and um, it was Mm -hmm. very difficult for him initially to accept this. And, you know, I'm a straight A student and he had a lot of dreams for me that he thought were lost. And so for quite a few months, he really struggled and we didn't talk much. And then when my son came, it was the game, you know, game changing. And my dad and my son were so in love with each other <laughs> that it's, he couldn't it's be, the, it's couldn't the be grandpa mad anymore. Thing. Oh my gosh. And my dad had girls, right? And so he had now this boy in the house with him um, that was Sinclair blood. And I think, you know, he sees it now as like a, mm. you know, a gift from God that brought our family all back together. Mm. What would you say? to people that are listening and are going through hard times and difficulties, what were some of the things that helped you in spite of all of this, these challenges, you still made it through. So what were some of the characteristics, qualities, strategies, thoughts you that know, you I, were employing, employing that time to, to kind of get through this? I think it's interesting. I've really thought a lot about this. And um, one is that, I am incredibly goal-oriented, but I'm flexible with the journey, with the plan. (laughs) Like, I don't, you know, if my goal is that I want to get somewhere, um, if the plan to get there changes, which it will a hundred times over, (laughs) I don't stop. And I think most people just stop when um, something goes differently than they thought it was going to go and they tell themselves, hey, the goal, I can't achieve that goal anymore. Mm -hmm. And I've always um, been able to say, no, like this is just, 
a part of the journey. Like, I don't know exactly where that comes from, to be honest, but I, you know, I can recognize that in myself now where it doesn't mean I don't have hard days. It doesn't mean I don't get down on myself. Um, it doesn't mean I don't want to quit. I just usually don't. I see the goal and the way I get to that goal very differently. The goal is non-negotiable and the way I get there is I'm willing to take whatever path is opened up for me, even if that's something I wouldn't have chosen for myself. Mm. Now, we don't normally speak this specifically because we're really a, a show for, you know, leaders and entrepreneurs and professional yeah. developers, but there are many people listening who are parents. What would you say to individuals who are grandparents or parents where somebody, a young person in their circle of influence is going through difficulty? What would your coaching be to them? If you were to say to them, to the young you, how you want them to treat you when you were pregnant with your, at 16, with your son, what would you say to them? You know, I would, I would remind people to be really careful because when you are talking to a young person and um, you are making statements about who they can and can't be because of something they've done, they're listening. And I think sometimes we forget that young people are listening and um, often we become what people tell us we can become. And I remember mm. how many people gave up on me and said, well, there goes that potential because this one thing happened. And if my mom had, hadn't been so different and my dad after Kai was born and um, sort of my own rebelliousness and sort of unwillingness to let people define me, I wouldn't be here because I wouldn't have thought I could. And so I just think making sure that we remember everything is temporary, every moment is temporary. Um, and sometimes that stinks that moments are temporary, but sometimes it's amazing. And when we're having a hard time reminding people that they're temporary and that it in no way defines the way the picture is going to turn out for you is the best way to keep a kid's mind open to their own greatness. Mm -hmm. Cool. Man, I sure like you a lot. I know that. <laughs> yes. And, and my encouragement is, is that, I mean, it's so many times, even at my home too, where my dad told me when I was younger, and I think I told this story when you were in training, he said, well, Ken, you talk too much. And now I do it for a living, and it's one of my gifts. And exactly. it was really squelched, and it was low self-worth, just as sort of you were going through at that time just because of those dynamics. So be very, very careful. And by the way, this affects adults too. Yeah. You know, just because somebody is 30 or 35 or 40 doesn't mean that their sensitivities are overcome. In fact, there are a lot of 12-year-old, 45-year-olds out there, if you, <laughs> if you know what yes. I mean by that. Yes. So you had your boy, you're in high school, then what happened? So I had Kai and I went back to my same high school. So I ended up graduating from my normal high school and Kai was in um, daycare uh, and then I got a job and um, we moved out, him and I, my senior year of high school into our own little apartment. We were still close to my mom and dad. Um, I graduated high school and I went um, to the University of Colorado at Colorado Springs my freshman year. I got a scholarship called the Nina Bell Memorial Scholarship. Uh, she, Nina Bell, who passed away in 9-11, her parents 
um, did a scholarship for a young woman of color at my high school, and I, I was awarded that scholarship, and it was amazing. It was for the first year of school, and while I was in school, I got called in for another scholarship, and they called, and they said, just come in and interview, and I said, all right, and, you know, I'm like, I'll take every thousand bucks I can get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had no well, idea how I was going to pay for the rest of school at all. <laughs> now, uh, how did you manage raising a young child and then do university and then were you working on the side in addition to this? I was. I was working at a restaurant and um, going to school and um, you know I had a lot of help from my parents and into my about halfway through my freshman year when I went in for this interview of the scholar for the scholarship they called and said, well, we're going to give you the mother of all scholarships. And what it was was a four-year full ride. They paid for my daycare. They paid, um, I remember giving them my rent, and they paid a percentage of that. So it was literally a life-changing scholarship that I had no idea I was getting. A little bit of divine intervention on that. Divine intervention. It's a moment I will never forget in my entire life where... I didn't think I thought I was going to get a thousand bucks to pay for my books, but I went in mm. in a suit and I treated it like it was the most important thing that would ever happen to me. And you know, by God, it was. <laughs> wow. And yeah. so, how did what what was it that you were doing that really had them provide you that scholarship? Were you uh, doing well in school, or I was doing really well in school, and they had realized that I was um, a teen mom, and I hadn't filled out my financial paperwork that way like we still filled out my paperwork as if my parents were you know financially supporting me but technically when you have a baby you're emancipated from your parents income and they had figured that out like that I I um, should be getting more support from the college and I had really good grades and they pulled all my information and I went in and um, this is the scholarship they ended up offering me Mm. now what did you take in college I have a business degree. And what motivated you to go in that direction versus something else? Um, this was clear. This was clearly because when I was in college, it was very different than a normal college experience. Which was, I really wanted to get a job when I graduated because I had a little boy to take care of, <laughs> and I knew like a business degree I could get um, get a job. And in fact, I got a job while I was in college. I started my finance career at a nonprofit when I was in college to do work study hours, and that's why I went into finance. Mm. Now, you're a creative, outgoing individual. Sometimes people won't connect that with you being involved with finance. Right. Explain that to the audience. I'm a bit of a finance unicorn, I say. I say I have a marketer's brain, but um, numbers uh, tell me a story. And so I've always loved numbers. I'm a, I'm a financial strategist more than I am an accountant, um, although I've been a CFO. You know, I'm on my third CFO job, but I... Um, Numbers really, to me, tell you what's happening in an environment, and they really are a reflection of human behavior. (laughs) And so um, I I look at them differently probably than a lot of finance people, but I also think that's why I was able to grow my career so quickly is because I do bring a different approach to finance, and then I also am able to explain finance to non-finance people. And so I think that's been great uh, in helping me grow my career is to have a non-typical finance um, personality, if you will, and in a, in a world where people are like, oh, yeah, you say that differently, or I've never really understood that before, mm. you look at that differently. 
Wow. Now, so you're at university. You got your first job. What was that doing? So I was working at a nonprofit for, it was an after-school program here in Denver, Colorado, and they got a big federal grant while I was there, and nobody knew how to manage it. And I said, well, I'll teach myself because I need more hours. <laughs> and so I had been working with the kids after school just because I, I loved that, and it was a great way to be involved. But then they got this grant, and I wanted some daytime office hours. And so then by the time I graduated, I had been managing that whole nonprofit budget for three years. So I graduated with this resume that had all of this finance experience. So to go get a job in finance was a lot easier. Wow. Okay. Well, congratulations on that. <laughs> Thanks. <clears throat> well done. So when did you get your position at uh, Comcast? So, well, prior to Comcast, I was the chief financial officer for the division, a division of the health department for Colorado. And I was 26 years old when I got that job. And then I was the vice president of finance and business operations um, for the West division of Comcast. And I got that job when I was 30. So what would you say were some of the characteristics? Obviously, you are gifted in this finance area. This is, this is just something that you've been <laughs> yes. blessed with, right? Yeah, yes, I would, say, I would say so. It yeah, just okay. comes very naturally to me. <clears throat> and, they're not, they're, and this is not to be discriminatory at all, because I have kids that are you know, 24 and 23 at the time of the recording of this, and my son's doing very well, thank you very much. <laughs> as, as a realtor, right? Yeah. Um, so when we think about it, but there's not that many sort of CFO, quote unquote, people at 26. What were some of the characteristics and qualities were you, that you were embracing that really got you these two senior positions? Um, yeah, I think a lot about this. Um, so, you know, I think number one was I have a just insane curiosity for whatever I'm doing. So I uh, want to know everything. I ask a zillion questions. I'm willing to, to sort of dive into anything. Um, and I see the world as possible and not impossible. So I think people want, wanted to put me into a leadership position because my ability to solve problems was um, really high because I just think that everything can be solved. Like. I'm dogged about it. Um, I don't know exactly how, and I can't do it by myself. I need a lot of help and a great team, but I just have this thought that there's nothing in the world that can't be solved. And I do think that comes from being a teen mom, like nothing that happens at work ever felt like a big deal. Like it was always like, I'll never be 16 and pregnant again. So we'll figure this out. <laughs> like it's just, everything's going to be okay. And I think that that, um, people trusted me with teams and with leadership and it didn't come without a lot of challenges. I've had to grow as a leader so much. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think they said, you know, we'll, we'll take that optimism and we'll bet on it. And I do think that helped me a lot. I obviously know, know numbers and work really hard, but I think what set me apart from everybody else who knows numbers and worked really hard too was that, optimism and the willing to literally take on any challenge whatever's on fire like send me in and um, I think that's helped me propel mm -hmm. my career so you're in this position a billion dollar budget 60 employees 30 years old <laughs> what what did you 
have to learn quickly that the audience, the Secrets of Success audience, that you can share with them that they can just embrace even tomorrow, some recommendations and things that you really had to scale quickly so, to kind of be successful in this role at such a young age. Uh, you, have to, you have to learn to ask for help um, often, frequently. And um, the best way to do that is to, to know yourself. So I think what would have crippled me in my career is if I hadn't spent time learning who I am, what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, and then sharing that with people. I'm very open. Hey, I'm not detail-oriented. Like, here's what's going to happen if you bring me into a meeting with two, you know, that's five hours worth of, of, of detail. Like, I'm going to bulldoze the whole meeting. So, you know, just sort of helping people understand who you are so that they can say, Danielle, this is not a meeting you need to be in. This isn't a priority. Or, you know, my team would joke with me, like, don't touch Excel anymore. Like, that's not your skill anymore. That's not your job anymore. And so really being willing to ask for help, have people continue to give you feedback and manage you, you know, even if they work for you on an org chart. I've never been hierarchical, and I think that's worked in my favor when I've got these huge teams because I really do not accomplish a single thing without my people. And so... I think learning that really quickly and to relinquish the reins so that everyone can be good at what they do for the team is important. And then understanding that leadership was as much my job as anything that I did every day and spending as much of my energy becoming a technician at that as I did anything else, I had to learn really, really fast because, you know, if you think you're still the technician with a team of 60, you're going to work 20 hours a day. And, um, that was a mistake I made for a little while that just was not sustainable. And when I started asking for help, that's when things started to really click in. Mm -hmm. Now you have all these different awards uh, <laughs> that you've gotten the top 25, most powerful woman, woo, you, know, and, <laughs> you know, top uh, 40 under 40, all these awards that you've gotten. And I'm not sure if there's a question you want to answer either on air for the public to, to listen to, you have this amazing position, but you left it. I did. Yeah. So share with us uh, what, what was behind that. Where I mean, a lot of people would say, whoa, Danielle, you made it. You've made it. You've got this amazing position with this Fortune 500 company. You've, you're a VP. At that age, uh, what was behind the transition? You know, uh, a lot of people did say that. So <laughs> well, it's very I, well, accurate. I, <laughs> I've been around this for a while, as you know, and so some, there are some responses which are predictable yeah. that would come from the general population. So fire away. It was the second time because I was a CFO in state government and left that job to take a manager role at Comcast. I got promoted really quickly when I was at Comcast, but I actually took a huge step backwards in title to go into corporate America because I had never done corporate finance before. And people said the same thing, like, are you insane? And then um, when I left Comcast earlier this year, they said the same thing, are you insane? And it was a couple of things, which is I have never really hung my identity on awards or titles. And success for me is a journey. It's not a destination. So how I'm feeling, how well is my life going, how are my kids doing, um, you know, it's all these things that I take into consideration if I feel successful or not. So being at Comcast and having a big title but traveling, I traveled 70% of my time in, in 2018 
because I had teens in seven states and um, sort of the pressure and the, the, you know, really sitting with myself, like, is this my, you know, 20 year career? Is this really what you see for yourself for the next 20 years? You're so young. What, you know, you don't have to do that. And, and so that was a piece of it where I was really sitting with, is this success? Um, do I feel successful? Do I feel happy? Do I feel like I'm seeing my kids enough? Do I feel healthy physically? Like in my, my body and taking care of myself is really important to me and really assessing that. And I assess that with every job. It's really important to me that I'm like a whole person because a job is just a piece of my life and it's not where I started and it won't be where I end. And then, you know, at the same time, I had launched a blog um, called The Daily Boss Up that caught traction really quickly and I was able to monetize it into um, a digital leadership and life tips and tricks platform and it, it got big really fast and so I was working at Comcast and then doing the daily boss up trying to build a business kind of as a reluctant entrepreneur at the exact same time and I was fortunate enough to be able to say um, to Comcast last October I'm I, you know, I've started this business and I want to see where it goes. And um, I was fortunate enough that the business was doing well enough for me to to make that call. And they asked, you know, we stayed, I stayed a couple more months um, with, with the company um, and mm-hmm. then decided to go off on my own, on my own entrepreneurial journey, which was terrifying, but um, also was the best thing for me and for my kids um, at the time. And um, I think that's, that's the way I define success. I feel much more successful this year than I did in 2018, even with all the accolades and the big title. Uh, you know, it's it's a balance for me. Mm. Well, it took a little bit of courage. I suspect you just didn't do it in in a breath that you had to ponder it for a bit. I did for months and months. I, I for months I pondered it because I just never really thought I would do that. I never thought I would um, start my own business or any of those things. Like I just didn't see that for myself. I love being a CFO. And so it was hard to say, oh man, I'm going to maybe never do this thing again, this CFO thing again at such a young age. Am I really willing to give up on it? And if I, if I walk away for, from it for too long, am I going to have to rebuild it if I want to go back? And all the things you tell yourself, I'm proud of my work at Comcast and my team at Comcast. So I was just really, really um, sitting with what was best for me. And it, it took a lot of courage. And I will admit that it was a lot harder once I left than I thought it was going to be. The, the removal of that piece of my identity for those months was mm-hmm. really difficult. It was even difficult for me to talk about it. It was difficult for me to say what I did for a living without having that crutch. And so it, it was a journey of like learning a little bit more about myself um, and how important I said the title was versus the fact that it was probably even a little more important than I even thought when I didn't have it. And so that that was a, another learning moment of journey I was on for much of this year. Well, congratulations on the jump. And as a result of that, I got to meet you as well. So that yes. was <laughs> my, my pleasure. Well, also, we can blame your brother a little bit too. Exactly. Uh, with that. You know, a lot of times for those people that are listening, you know, what Danielle is saying is, you know, our identity isn't our job title or position. Because most times people say, Ken, who are you? I said, well, I am the owner of CRG or whatever. But that's really not who I am. And the same thing with Danielle. You're not the CFO or finance. You, it's, it's a bigger picture. 
So what would you say to those individuals listening, and I don't know who is or who isn't, who's feeling a little stuck, mm-hmm. and they, they have this amazing opportunity they're part of, but it's not where they want to stay. What would you say to them as far as taking this leap of faith that you took? I'm an avid journaler, so I would just start with that, which is journal, talk to yourself. Um, it's interesting how things become clear when we talk to ourselves outside of ourselves a bit, um, getting out of our heads. And and one of the things I ask myself is not like, what do you want to do for a living? It's like, who do you want to be for a living, Danielle? Like, who do you want to be? How does your day look? Um, what does perfection look like? And then really thinking about what you're doing versus what you might be dreaming of doing. And is that going to get you closer to who you want to be? Um, what impact do you want to be having? And, you know, what lifestyle do you want to be living? And I think we don't ask ourselves all these questions if we limit our beautifully big brains to something as simple as a title or a promotion mm-hmm. or money. Those things come if you're being who you're supposed to be in the world. So that's what I would say to someone who's feeling stuck is to, like, who do you want to be? Like, walk through a perfect day, walk through a perfect job. What would the offer letter say? And, and dream really, really big and in color about it. And you'll you'll start to shake yourself out of that feeling of stuckness. Mm-hmm. Well, I couldn't agree more. And so, you know, my encouragement to those of you listening is that we don't have to get about anxious about the decision. You could be in a great position that you don't want to stay there. So then part of this process is bringing clarity to the other side. So it might be months or even a couple of years before you decide to move out of it, but that's okay. You don't have to beat yourself up as a result of that. Now, Daniel, you're being asked a lot to do speaking to a lot of conferences. What are you saying to the audience? audiences? They're asking you to speak. What are you bringing to the table that you would share with our, our podcast audience today that you're sharing with your live audiences? I... I'm a speaker who comes sort of in the most authentic way and tells all about the ugliest part of my journeys and not all about all the accolades. And it's not because I'm not proud of them. It's because what I think people need to hear and see is that there is no straight path. (laughs) We all have a different journey. And what's really wrong in the world and wrong with leadership and wrong is that we're not sharing those journeys with each other. We're not deflating the balloon. It feels big and, and like we can't accomplish things because we look at somebody as humans. Our assumption is that person must have had all this lined up for her and you know this path must have been so much easier and it's so easily to easy to isolate ourselves and say I'm alone like whatever I'm going through I'm the only one going through it and when I say to somebody yeah I know exactly so so wrong right and I want to remind people of that and I do it by sharing my story and when I say to people I'll never be 16 and pregnant again the emails I get from people about what they won't be again I'll never be a first-time cancer patient again I'll never be an addict you know again or you know the things that people have actually been through in life that is so much bigger than our careers we are already successful like we already have the toolbox and has nothing to do with title to be whatever we want to be, but we're not giving ourselves credit for it often. And in fact, we're using it to beat the crap out of ourselves usually. Um, mm-hmm. it's, the, it's the shameful things that we carry around that are probably 
you know, the, the best tools we have to be great. And I think people need to hear that. I don't think enough speakers spend time on what's ugly. <laughs> and so I do my best. I do my best to spend time on what's ugly and hopefully remind people who they are. And I give some tactical, you know, sort of journal prompts or questions for people to really mm-hmm. go home and sit with to get unstuck and, and, and to remember who they are so that they can go, go forth and encourage Oh, absolutely. One of my mentors, now he's passed away now, was Jim Rohn. And I'd say that mentors from afar, he says, people want to know your struggle mm-hmm. so that they know what did you overcome because of everything was perfect. So your encouragement to the listeners is how can we be authentic right. and, and be real? And for sure, that is true of millennials, probably even more so because in my generation, it's a little bit more about being guarded. And it's not that people are being fake. It just was not appropriate to share. Right. Uh, at least even my dad, who's 87, right, emotions were an option. <laughs> they still right. are, yep. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's an optional kind of thing. You know, emotions are for other people. So the, the reality is people want you to be real. And are you being real? Now, with your new business, you know, the daily boss up. Uh, what are some of the tips that you are sharing with? We only have a few minutes left, if you can believe it. <laughs> but what are some of the tips that you are sharing with people on a daily basis, just sort of to encourage them, you know, beyond what you've sh- uh, shared already, Daniel? You know, every week we have a theme. Um, last week was forgiveness and um, this week's motivation. And so every day you get a a tactical tip or trick to really help you if you're struggling in forgiveness or motivation or confidence. Um, and so every day it's just a reminder to take a pause and do a little, I call it the soul work of leadership, um, which is really about learning yourself and centering, centering with yourself. So getting that text message and sitting with that or going and reading the homework to say, Hey, if you're working on confidence, I want you to, go into your next meeting and count how many times you think something and don't say it. Keep a tally or count how many times you think something and somebody else says it to help yourself realize that you've got this and that you don't need to overanalyze it and helping people replace habits with habits because that's how we change our habits is by replacing them with new ones. And the daily boss up is meant to do that in a simple tactical way that gets to the reader where they don't have to come to us, go on my website or anything. We, we deliver all their messages to their phones. And so that's really where it's spurred from. So, you know, there's so many tips and tricks and Mm. um, different inspirational things. I write the content well in advance. So I get the text messages and I have to, you know, eat my own medicine some days because I'm like, oh my gosh, this was right on. Oh man, I said, who's the author of that? (laughs) I need that. Oh, oh, hang on. That was me. Yikes. Yikes. I needed to hear that today or I'm not doing so hot at that myself. So it's been great. Um, and it's, you know, I just think people don't work enough on themselves. Um, and not, we're not given permission enough to work on ourselves. So I hope, you know, the Daily Boss Up created a space for people to do that. Mm. Well, thank you, Danielle, for that. So, I mean, we've covered a lot of stuff. Now, before we kind of get in like, your closing comments, how can people find out about you and what you're doing? Yeah, so um, if you go to dshoots.com, you can learn about me, you can learn and register for the Daily Boss Up, and then I am also on all the social media platforms, really easy to find. Um, I have a YouTube channel, and my TED Talks are out there, and um, pretty easy. You can just Google and get, get to any of these places. 
pretty easy, right? And D shoots <laughs> is spelled D, and then the letters or the word shoots S H O O T S dot com. Yes, sir. So yeah, emphasis on sir. Okay. <laughs> so people that are listening, you can tell hopefully that Danielle and I are um, just kibitzing and having fun with one another. Uh, I appreciate everything she's done, her family. So before we go, and then I'll have some closing comments. So just stay on the line there, Danielle. Is it? What would you like to share with the audience beyond what you've shared so far that would really encourage them as soon as they push the stop button on this podcast? You know, one of my favorite things to say to myself is, are you being sandpapered? And um, what I mean by that is, you know, there's no beautiful wood product, no tables, no chairs, no doors that comes without the sandpaper process and the sandpaper process is ugly and it, it takes forever and um, it's hard <laughs> and nobody likes it and it feels bad and it sounds bad, but um, n- nothing good comes without that. And so before I quit anything, I always just ask myself, am I being sandpapered? Meaning I'm really going to miss out on the beauty that's going to come from what I'm going through right now. Or is this truly not meant for me? And usually the answer is you're just being sandpapered. And most people quit right before that sandpaper process is over. And so I just encourage everyone to remember we all get sandpapered, sometimes daily. (laughs) Mm. You know, and sometimes, you know, the process lasts a lot longer than we wish it would. But um, you've got this and and you're not not unique in hating that process, but you can get through it. Mm. Well, Danielle... Uh, I know it took us a while to get you on the show because you're so busy. <laughs> um, but thank you for hanging out with us today. Oh, I'm so excited. It's so fun. Thanks, Ken. Well, uh, you're my uh, additional daughter to my family, I'm, if you know it or not. So you're, I love you're it. Welcome. You're welcome. So, everybody, that Danielle shoots her company, The Daily Boss Up. You can go to dshoots.com. My encouragement is, is, you know, when you think about Danielle's story, and her story is very powerful, is that I'm not going to be pregnant in 16 again. I know that was never true for me, uh, though we all have something. We have something exactly. there that we can overcome. And so take what Danielle has shared, her story, be encouraged by that, reach out to her. I do believe that every single person listening here is here for a reason, that you have a contribution to make, you have value to contribute, and so we just believe in that. Now, if you like what we're doing, please pass it on, let other people know, leave a positive comment in whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you for listening to Secrets of Success. I'm your host. Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.